Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. So, hello, I am Pastor Evan. I'm the youth and associate pastor here at Columbus First Assembly. Um, If you have not gotten to meet me yet, I would love to be able to meet you maybe after service. Um, just just to talk with you. I might try to go hang out with my dad during Father's Day, but um, I'll for sure want to get to know you and, and meet some new faces for sure. Okay, so before I get into my sermon, I want to kind of give you a little bit of backstory to myself. Uh, if you look at this slide up here, I think it should be up there. There's a picture of my family. Is it up there? No, it's not there. There it is. So this is my family. Everybody in that picture has the last name Eichhoff, E-I-C-K-H-O-F-F, if you're wondering how to spell it. Um, the one on the left, that is Alex. He is my oldest brother. He's actually right, up, right over there. Uh, the one in the middle, his name is Bart. The one on the right with the curly dark hair, that is Clay. And then the one uh, right in the middle in the back, that is Donovan, and then me right there, Evan. Uh, if you didn't notice, though, I named them alphabetically. Yes, we are in alphabetical order. That is a fun fact about my family is A, B, C, Alex, Barclay, Donovan, Evan, and that is them. And then you have uh, Alex's wife, Christina, Clay's wife, Morgan, Donovan's wife, Lena, and then Lincoln, Wren, Archer, and there's my mom and dad. I call them mom and dad, but their names are Joyce and Mike, but... Yeah, we're, we're all actually pretty different, though. I mean, Alex, he's probably the coolest out of all of us, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, he, was, he was always, growing up, he was more of the um, charismatic, outgoing, uh, what do you want to say? He was just cool. He was cool. Bart, uh, Alex wasn't the most... What do I want to say? He was awesome. All right, Bart. <laughs> Bart, he's actually in Afghanistan. Actually, no, he's in Qatar right now with the Air Force, and I'm super proud of him and where he is. Clay, he has his three kids, and, and they keep having more children, so obviously since they have all the grandchildren, he is mom and dad's favorite. Um, <clears throat> and, then, and then Donovan. Donovan was the one, if he wasn't there in my life, I probably would have gotten in way more trouble than if he wasn't. Um, Donovan always made sure that it was in order and made sure that I was doing okay. In fact, he is a safety inspector at Eli Lilly now because he wants to make sure that everything is in order. But this is my family, and a lot of people, when I tell them about them, and if you don't know me really well, I love my family. And, and a lot of people think that we are a picture-perfect family, but there is a lot of broken things about us. There's a lot of times when when we've had arguments and we, we've, we've been frustrated with each other. There's been times when me and Donovan would get an argument about video games and mom and dad would give us a spanking and then we'd go back to arguing about playing video games and we got a spanking again. And <laughs> that was a story. And sometimes tensions would rise. And, and I remember Alex, sometimes the tension would, would go too much and he would reach these little, little explosions. And for some reason, he had just something against coffee mugs. I I don't know why, but 
whenever just the explosion happened, he found the nearest coffee mug, and just like Thor, he would just, and it exploded, and there it goes, and we're like, ah. And there's one time, um, when he was younger, he was trying to quit smoking, and uh, he, he doesn't smoke anymore, and he smells fantastic, and I'm so glad. Um, <laughs> but there was one time he was trying to quit smoking, and, and the tensions were rising, and he, they found this mug that had a family crest on it. And he threw it on the ground, shattered. And Dad goes, get in the car. We're going to go get you some cigarettes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was some of the situations with my family, but there are some times in your life where tensions rise. Sometimes you get to a point and you say something to somebody and you just wish you were like, oh, I crossed the line, I wish I could take that back. There's times when someone in your life who you've grown close to, you trusted so much, they ended up doing something that just breaks your heart completely and you're like, why did you do this? Sometimes people do things and they break your heart, and they might be the people closest to you, your closest friend, your spouse, your, your family member. They make choices that you just wish they wouldn't make, and it breaks your heart. They said they would be there, but then they don't show up. They said they cared, but their actions say otherwise, or they just lost our trust. And, and in all honesty, since we are all human, there's going to be times when we make mistakes, and that is going to happen. People will break our hearts, and... Even if you find someone who has the best character ever, they are going to make a mistake. And so the title of my sermon, you saw it a little bit earlier, is John 13. John 13. This is one of the saddest chapters in the Bible, in my opinion. Um, and it says on the title, Later You Will Understand. So I didn't know what to name it. I had all kinds of cool names, but I'm talking mostly from John chapter 13. So if you could turn to that chapter, that is where I'm going to be speaking a lot from. And so, and so what is happening in this situation, Jesus is, is going to house and they are getting ready to celebrate Passover. They're celebrating this Passover because uh, the Jews at this time, they, they celebrated the fact that um, God saved the Israelites from Egypt. And... In the time when Moses was saying, let my people go, this angel came and killed all of the firstborn of all the Egyptians except the Israelites who put the blood of a lamb around their doorpost and it passed over them. But Jesus is celebrating this day, but he's bringing a new twist to it. And so in John chapter 13, verse one, it says this. It was just before the Passover, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus knew what was about to happen in his life. He knew that his ministry was coming to an end. This is, this is the big moment where he was supposed to go and die on a cross. And Jesus wasn't just oh, okay, this is, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna go die on a cross. He was stressed out about it. In fact, he went to this garden, Garden of Gethsemane, and prayed for hours and hours the night before because he knew he was about to endure torture and whipping and nailing his hands to a cross, and he was not going to enjoy it. He knew that this was gonna come. And so if you turn with me to John 13, verse four, 
Jesus sees that the servants in the house, they are preparing the meals. They're trying to get everything set up. They're trying to get all the cups and, and, and everything in place. And he notices that nobody is washing their feet. And in this time, what was a custom was before that you ate, you, you washed people's feet. So Jesus took it upon himself. And verse 4 says, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus saw this. He saw that, that, that the servants were busy, and he was like, you know what, I am going to do this for them. And I, I think about the weight of this moment and, and if you didn't know, the disciples, when they walk, they, they may be, does anybody jog in, in the room? Sometimes people jog maybe, maybe five, five miles, maybe, maybe a mile. The disciples, in about a day, when they're doing their ministries, they would walk 15 miles. There was no concrete roads or anything. They were walking on dirt. So these disciples' feet were getting dirty. And Jesus started washing their feet. And the disciples, they saw what he was doing and, and, and they were like, why are you doing this? I mean, you're, you're our teacher, you're our rabbi. How, why do you think that you deserve to, to kneel down and act like a servant and wash our feet? They said, we, we should be washing yours. And, and in John 13, verse seven, Jesus replies, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. The disciples were confused because they didn't see the weight of the situation. They didn't see that this was going to be written in a Bible written and, and, and read about and preached about 2,000 years later, but Jesus understood something. These are the three things that Jesus understood. Number one, Jesus understood that his disciples would scatter. In Matthew 26, 31, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. As soon as Jesus got captured, the disciples just dispersed. They all left him behind and he was just sitting there by himself to deal with the situation, deal with the beating, dealing with the mockery, dealing with hanging on a cross by himself because the disciples were afraid. And he knew that. And every single one of them, he washed their feet. The second thing that Jesus knew is that Peter would deny him. In John 13, 38, after Jesus was talking about his disciples going and how he was about to leave them, Peter is saying, no, 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 I will not be the one that leaves you. I will be with you to the very end. I, I am here to, to, to the bitter end, Jesus. I am your disciple. And Jesus says to this, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the roaster, rooster, rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So Jesus knew that this, this bold and, and proud disciple who, who is claiming these things, he knew that he was going to do something completely different and deny the fact that he even knew him. Jesus did ministry with these guys for three years. 
He got to know them, spend every day with them, walk miles with them, talking with them. And Peter, he grew to know so well, and Peter denied him. And Jesus, he washed his feet. But the third thing that Jesus understood that has the most weight on, on the situation that, that just really just stirs something in me, the third thing that he understood was that Judas was going to betray him. In John 13, 21, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and said, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to, just, just for silver coins, going to sell me out to these authorities so that I can be crucified on a cross. One of you is going to betray me. One of you who I gotten to know year after year, you're going to break my heart and you're going to betray me. And Jesus knelt down for Judas and he washed his feet. Now, I think, I think about that situation and I think about people in my life and, and would I do the same? If I knew what somebody was going to do, if, I've, if I knew who they were in my life and, and the fact that they were going to deny me, scatter and betray me, why would I even do that? And he, he knew full well that he was about to be crucified. You think that he would have said, you know what, I'm the son of God. You all need to serve me tonight because I'm about to die for you. But instead, he said, no, no, no. I am going to kneel down and wash every single one of your feet. And so Jesus is exemplifying us. And as his disciples, we need to try to do the same thing. But when you ask me, will you do this for Judas? I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't think so. If I knew someone was going to murder me or treat me like trash or, or do awful things or say awful things about me, if there was somebody who has hurt me in my life, would I wash their feet? Yeah, you know, I, I think about in my life of anybody who has hurt me. And I mean, there's situations. I've gotten arguments with my brothers, but I would gladly wash their feet or... I mean, in school on the bus, I didn't feel accepted. Or maybe in college when I was, when I was bullied because I was a little different than everyone else. But I, I think of this situation, and this is, this is the real, if this person was sitting here, this is the problem that I would have. I remember I had a youth pastor. And this is before um, my mentor, who I've talked about a couple weeks back. Um, this is the youth pastor before. And... He was awesome. He was so cool. He was just so charismatic. And when he, when he preached, he just spoke the word of God awesomely. He, he, just, he just had a way about him. When he was in a room, people would gather to him because they wanted to see him. He was a cool guy. In fact, he had this youth group of 20 kids and grew it to about 80 because of just how charismatic he was. And I was like, this guy is awesome. I just thought he was going to take the youth group places where it never has been, and he, he's, he's going to change things. God's going to do some awesome things. And then I remember one day I was with my dad. And it, it, it's like those one moments where you just, you remember every detail. And my dad was asking me, hey, hey Evan, let's, let's just go out to eat, you and me. I was like, okay. 
said, we're going to go to the Chinese buffet. And I love this Chinese buffet because they have the best peanut butter chicken. So good. If you haven't tried it, just try it. Peanut butter chicken. We were in his, his F-150. I think it was like a silver F-150. And we were driving by and we were passing the church. And he started talking to me and said, hey, how, are, how's, how is everything with, with church and everything? I'm like, it's good. I'm, I'm excited. I, and he's like, I, ju- I just have to let you know... Um, your youth pastor is no longer your youth pastor anymore. I was like, what? And he goes on a little bit and says, you know, actually, your youth pastor, he's, he's never going to be a youth pastor anymore. He's in jail. He says, your youth pastor was caught having relations with 13-year-old girls. And I remember that moment and I was just frozen because I, I didn't expect that. I, uh, my trust was lost. Everything was broken. And I was like, oh, what does this mean for the future? And, and I watched as months went by and these, these students that were trusting in him as a father figure and they, they saw him as a reflection of, of who God is, they just left. They were broken and they didn't know if they could trust a church anymore. And I just think of that situation, what could have been, and it broke my heart. And I think to myself, if this man was sitting right here in front of me and God said, Evan, kneel down and wash his feet, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I want to read for you guys the parable of the unmerciful servant. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Actually, I'm going to skip to verse 23. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he sold repay the debt. The man knew there's no way he was going to be able to repay this. He knew that he was indebted to the king so much and he could not repay. That takes about a hundred years worth of his income and there's no way. So the servant fell to his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled his debt and let him go. Think of the weight that was lifted off of him as he, as he knew that his debt was paid and he no longer had to pay anything back, but it was just gone. The freedom. And in verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found his fellow servant who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went to went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. So this servant who was 
gotten rid of all of his debt, all of the things that he owed to the king, this, this hundred years worth of income he, he couldn't pay back, but it was just forgiven. But the moment that this other servant who did this thing to his life, he threw into prison. And in John 13, 34, Jesus kind of sums up this whole situation. And he says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I love it how many times he says love one another. He's trying to put emphasis to it. And there are times in our lives when, when God is saying, I need you to kneel down and love and serve the people around you. Love one another. Love one another like that, like I did for you. But we forget that before we are able to kneel down and wash the feet of the people around us, we need to realize that we were first this person. We were first here. We were broken, we were messed up, and we were sinful. And there are times in our lives when we feel like we've made it, right? But God continues to show us the times where we need to work even more on ourselves because we're never going to be just like him until we enter heaven. And Jesus saw our lives and how we would scatter and betray and deny him, and he chose to wash our feet. In order to truly forgive everyone around you, you need to realize how much you have been forgiven. If we don't realize how much God has forgiven us of everything in our lives, we will not know how to forgive others. In fact, I do prayer every Thursday. Well, mostly, I forgot one week, but. Um, in the prayer, I like to go over the Lord's prayer and I say, God, forgive me of the times when I have messed up. And if I am forgiven of that, why would I not forgive every single person around me, whether it be a long time hurt from my childhood, someone who did something, someone who, who said something that broke my heart, why would I not forgive them if you have so forgiven me? Now, we have a choice. We can choose to become bitter and angry and, 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 and just, just hardened hearts because of the hurts that we have. We can choose not to trust anyone again in our entire lives. We can choose to become bitter or we can choose to find purpose behind it. I'll tell you now that situation that I had with my youth pastor is precisely one of the biggest reasons why I chose to go into ministry to show people that there is hope, that there is a good God and that there are people that can be trusted. But most of all, I want to show people that Jesus washed them clean. Jesus washed you clean. You have, you're not held back by your sins, by your past mistakes. You are now free and you are now a new creation. You have a new identity and you are adopted into his family. That's what happens when you choose to follow Christ. You're washed and you have the freedom to not be held by the anger that you have for someone else because they hurt or betrayed you, but you can wash their feet freely and say, if I know what God did for me, I will for sure do it for you. 
there's some people that you could probably think of in your life and if the worship team could come on up. You could probably think of one person in, in, in specific. You could think of someone like that youth pastor that I had. You, could, you can think of the, that situation and you're like, I could never forgive this person. I think of a situation, I was talking with my friend and, and he said, I could never forgive my ex-wife because of how much anger I hold for you, for her. And I was just thinking, you don't know how much God has forgiven you because you would freely and gladly forgive her. Some of you in your life, you need to lay down that person who you need to forgive. And some of you need to realize, <laughs> me as well, realize how much you have forgiven yourself. I'll be honest, it is getting hot up here. <laughs> God is always with us. And he has an amazing love. An amazing amount of love. And if we choose to just receive that love that he has for us, and we choose to acknowledge that he is our king who died for us, then we'll know the true forgiveness. We'll have no choice but to forgive every single person in our life. Jesus, you died for me. God, the moment that you, you knelt down and washed Judas's feet, he did not yet realize what you were doing, but now we all see it. Jesus, you washed his feet to show us that you are a God who loves every single person, no matter how badly they have betrayed you, no, badly, no matter how badly they have hurt you, God. You've forgiven us. God, we each have a person who has hurt us in our lives. God, let us forgive them. God, we hold on with full grasp and saying, I cannot let go of what they did. And you're just saying, if you would just let go, you'll be free. You don't have to hold that burden anymore and you can move on with your life. Don't you realize how much I have forgiven you? Jesus, we thank you for your amazing love. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.